It is Friday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. And Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield, we are both here to get you over that last little bit to the weekend. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football. It gives coaches the ability to break down game film to pull stats, put together searchable clips, make tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one free breakdown today. Mark, we do way more than one breakdown a day. Usually we're doing a whole lot more than that. Today on this show, we're talking a little bit of Old Miss again. We are, and I know that the kicker fans out there are a little disappointed that it's not Kicker Friday, but we can't always roll out Kicker Friday. We got to keep things, you know, keep you get keep you guessing. I've so had a hell of a, a week. Bit. Let's be honest. I I've had a hell of a week. I couldn't put anything together for today. So Mark's covering double duty. Ah, no worries. I'm just I'm just here to help the ball club. Oh man, quarterbacks. Sometimes they're actually worth all the money you pay them, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. Let's let's talk here about uh, Ole Miss and talk to me about. Uh, you mentioned in the title of this piece, it's it's Mississippi, Talladega Pace, and RPO Concepts, which you read it the first time and you say, that doesn't sound like English. What are we talking about when we're talking about Talladega Pace? Okay. What we're talking about there and, you know, at the front, at the outset here, um, this is actually derived from a presentation that Coach Freeze gave at a Nike coaching clinic this spring um, talking about sort of how they run RPO and how they run pace. Um, these clinics, they can get the materials from uh, NikeCoachOfTheYearFootball.com. Um, they're great resources. You learn a ton about what you know coaches across the country are like teaching to their players. Um, Freeze does a lot of these clinics. Um, he done he had addressed the same conference like two years ago, and he addressed it this year as well. And so I kind of like read this, went through the material, and went back to watch some Mississippi tape to see sort of the concepts that he was highlighting. Um, and it was really eye-opening because there's still so much that even I'm trying to like learn and ascertain about what colleges are doing offensively because they're doing so many different things and they're baking so much they can do into one single play, but there are so many options off of it, which we'll get to. But first, I want to talk about how they handle pace. Mississippi, like many college teams, they go up-tempo. They kind of line up fast usually without a huddle and coach freeze who's a nascar fan says that mississippi has three different paces that they use for offense what they call their normal pace which is still pretty fast is what they call nascar and that means that they don't huddle up but they can substitute personnel in and out they can switch from say 11 personnel to 10 personnel and they can change formations but they still go without a huddle. They get back to the ball, but they can get guys in and out. They basically have running back, quarterback, the lineman. They stay on the field. They can change things around. Their next fastest pace is Daytona, which for those of you that aren't NASCAR fans, Daytona, the Daytona 500, the Daytona International Speedway, it's pretty much the second fastest track in NASCAR. I think the last Daytona 500, they reached top speeds about 202 miles per hour. Mark, are you a NASCAR fan? I actually am a NASCAR fan. Oh, who's your, who's your driver? Dale Jr. Oh, you're Dale Jr. guy. I, I was a senior guy. I mean, I remember oh, I was really? actually in the I was in the emergency room. I had torn a ligament in my I'd actually retorn a ligament in my thumb playing pickup basketball my senior year in college. Okay. And I was in the ER when he finally won the Daytona five hundred. I still remember that. 
Not bad. I'm a, I'm a Greg Biffle fan myself. That okay. works. That works. It's good to have NASCAR fans, man. It, dude, I ha- thought it was like the only one. No, like I, I didn't understand it until I finally went to a race, and it yeah. was just like a whole world just opened up to me. I still have trouble watching a whole race on yeah, TV. Yeah, I can't sit through, like, even the five, the Daytona 500, I can't sit through the entire thing. No, but, but like, I, I'll be in and out. Exactly. Out of, you know, each hour racing, I can get, you know, 20 to 30 minutes or something like that. Yeah, I can't do the, the road courses, though. Like, I, I'm not a road course guy. See, I, I, I like Martinsville and Bristol. I'm not I'm not a big road course guy for NASCAR, but I love watching like F1 races and yeah, stuff that's like good that. Stuff. Just because those cars are ridiculous. But I've no. di- I've digressed us so far to this point. Digging, that's okay. Digging back, so we've got NASCAR no. pace, we've got Daytona pace. Yeah, and Daytona then, pace is their like more up tempo, where they can change formation, but they keep the same personnel package on the field. So if they're in ten personnel, they stay in ten personnel. But they can shift things around. They can change the strength of the formation. They can change the formation itself. But it's still more up-tempo because you're not subbing guys in and out. Now, the piece that I talk about is Talladega. That's their fastest. And for the you non-NASCAR fans, Talladega International Speedway, they can get up to like 216 miles an hour. That's like the fastest recorded speed in a NASCAR race. Rusty Wallace did that in June of 2004. That means that they go same personnel. So if they start a drive with 10 personnel, they're going to stay in 10 personnel until the drive is over or they decide to just get out of it and do something different. So not only do you stay in the same personnel, you line up in the same formation. So if you start the drive with trips to the right and a single receiver left, you are staying in that formation. And it doesn't matter. I know some coaches out there are like, well, what happens if you run a play to the right sideline? You've got trips to the right. Now the ball's on the right hash. They don't change. They keep all three receivers on the right side. They shorten down their splits if necessary, depending on the play, and they go. So that's their Talladega pace. It's basically the same exact formation no matter where the football is on the field. Now, is this something that they will declare to themselves essentially before a drive, or will they change up pace even within a drive? They can change a place within a drive, but they'll declare before a drive starts that, okay, look, we're going to be going Talladega. We're going to be going Daytona. And for each game, they have designated their Talladega package, whether it's you know 11 personnel in trips to the right or 11 personnel trips to the left or 10 personnel double slots or whatever it is. That, that group of that personnel group knows that, okay, we are on now. It's our drive to either finish or until coaches decide that we can't do it and pull us off the field. So, so that's kind of how they do it. They can switch in and out, um, but typically once they start a drive in a, a package, they'll stay that way. But that's interesting, though. So depending on the, the game plan for that week, they will change up their Talladega package to whatever yeah. best fits the uh, the needs of that given week? Yeah. I mean, for example, and the article that I put together, I broke down three plays from their Sugar Bowl game against Oklahoma State. And their Talladega package that week was 11 personnel with trips to one side, of, trips to the left, single receiver to the right. A bowl game a couple of years ago, it was the same sort of 11 personnel, but it was slot to the left, split receiver to the right, and you have the tight end in the backfield as an up back. That was their Talladega package. So they can vary it from game to game. So looking at the uh, the drive that you broke down, walk us through, I guess, the first play in that drive and what they were attempting to do there. Well, basically, this is the other interesting element to it is they can go so fast but yet run the same play and still keep the defense on their heels. I broke down three successive plays in this Talladega package against Oklahoma State, and each one is basically an inside zone run 
with a stick concept called to the trip side of the formation and a quick slant to the back side. So basically, Chad Kelly gets to the line of scrimmage. He's got a potential pass play and a potential run play to choose from. So his first decision is a pre-snap read runner pass, and he does that based on a box count. They've got five guys to block whoever's out there. They can block five. They can't block six. Because what they do, and this is, again, taken from Coach Freeze's presentation, they're going to leave one guy unblocked. This is another element that I didn't really dive into too much in the piece, but Mississippi has reads based on each level of the field. So some plays are a first-level read where they're leaving a front lineman, an edge defender sometimes, a defensive end, or even a defensive tackle unblocked. And your quarterback is going to make his post-snap read based on what that player does. There are second-level reads where they leave a linebacker unblocked, and that's what they're doing on this play. They leave a linebacker unblocked, and the quarterback is going to make his post-snap decision based on what that guy does, whether he's going to throw it to one side of the field or the other. And sometimes they even have a third-level read where they, they it's not so much that they're blocking a defensive back or not blocking a defensive back, but they'll throw to one side of the field or the other based upon the way the d- defense reacts to the formation. So here's a question for you. Obviously, you said on these three plays, they're pretty much running the the same uh, play here. You've got an inside run uh, that you can run off that RPO pre-snap. On the outside, uh, you're looking at a stick concept to the top, a uh, slant down on the bottom there. Are they simply running one play off of this in all situations, or will they still have multiple calls that the coaching staff can make if there's a different look? According to Freeze's presentation, when they go Talladega, they typically have like five plays okay. that they can run. But what was just so fascinating to me was on these three plays, these three successful plays, they run the same RPO design and they do three different things. On the first play, Kelly gets out to the line of scrimmage. He sees six defenders in the box. They've got five. They're going to leave one guy unblocked. They can't block him up. So he's going to throw the football. And the guy that they leave unblocked again, according to Freeze's presentation here, is that Will linebacker who's going to be shaded towards that slant route. So Kelly's going to put the ball in the belly of his running back and then read that guy. Chances are he's going to react to that run and come forward, and then you just throw the slant route right behind him where he vacated. If for some reason he stays home, then Kelly looks to the outside and throws a stick concept. On this play, Kelly puts the football in, looks up, Will comes forward a little bit, and he throws a slant route right behind him for an easy first down. What type of, uh, obviously, you know, with the, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Obviously, you have that pre-snap RPO read, and then you've got your post-snap RPO. Once the quarterback gets through that, he's pretty much just making normal progressions then, correct? Yeah, basically. I mean, once he's made the, deser- made the decision pre-snap, whether to run or pass, if it's, he's made the run decision, for example, the second play, they get to the line of scrimmage. Again, it's the same RPO concept. Stick outside, backside slant, inside zone run. This time, the Mike linebacker walks outside towards the trips. Now you've got five in the blocks, and you've got five. Leave a, so he runs the football. Now, if for, coming back to this, if he makes a decision, look, they've got six in the box. We can't block it. I'm going to throw. He's basically, yeah, going through progressions. He'll react to... That read, that second-level read, since you're leaving one linebacker unblocked, he'll make a throw off that. And like I said, if that will linebacker, for whatever reason, doesn't react to the run and sits home in that zone and takes away that slant route, then you're going from the stick, from the inside trips receiver, to the out route on the from the middle trips receiver. So it's basically, yeah, you're just going through a progression. 
Okay, gotcha. So, uh, in any case, want to talk to you briefly about crossover football here. Crossover football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. It breaks down and stats out your game film, and crossover gives you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great info that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology. You can create custom highlight reels, and you can exchange video with anyone on the platform, including all of your players and coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon to get one breakdown for free today. Mark, looking at this Talladega pace, what is it that makes this so difficult to defend, given that the offense is coming out in the same formation over and over? Is it just the speed in which they do it, where the defense can't react, or is it something else? Well, speed's definitely part of it, but the other part is, again, on these three plays, the defense tries something a little different on each snap, but the offense always has an answer. For example, on the first play, they kind of just stay their base like four-two-five, and they play it straight up. They run the RPO, they show the fake, the will comes forward to respect the run action, and then they throw the slant. So, they okay, pick up first down. Next play, this time the middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker, walks outside a little bit to the trips. Maybe he's going to try to take away that stick route. Well, now you've got five guys to block. You can run the football, so they just run the football. And then the third play, the final play, okay, now the defense – they decide to blitz both linebackers to maybe try to get the ball out quicker. Well, what does that do? It leaves that stick route wide open. And so Kelly just takes the snap, throws the stick route. The nickel cornerback to that side of the field makes a really good – he tries to split the difference between that out route to the middle trips receiver and the stick route. And he does a really good job of rotating it over quickly, but he still can't stop it. It's a six-yard gain. And so what they can do is just – drilled down into five plays that they have packages for and options within, run those plays and know those plays and execute those plays incredibly well, and they can still have an answer for whatever it is the defense tries to throw at them. Whatever wrinkle, whatever shift, whatever blitz, they've got an answer for it. You know, it's it's kind of funny. This almost reminds me about four years ago, um, I was playing just in, you know, men's league flag football thing, and we did something similar. Obviously, look, it's it's dumb. It's flag football, but we had three plays that we had made up, and we ran those three plays. And that's and it was just look based on what the defense is telling you. You know, you do something different there. And I'll tell you what, Mark, we were within one game of going to the national championships in Vegas. Well, there you go, man. One game, and then we ran out of gas. We had some injuries, and unfortunately, couldn't make it. But it's it's you know this is kind of the classic example of look it's a team that's going to especially in this package they show you only a few things but they know them cover to cover and they can adapt based on what the defense does they don't do a whole lot but they know what to do in any given situation yeah that's exactly it and you know when you get into this level especially you know big time college football you're really talking about execution i mean especially in the sec or in this game you're you know up against a big 12 team in the sugar bowl if you can execute the plays that you have at your disposal and execute them well, then you're going to be at a, an advantage over your opponent. And with this Talladega package, it's just basically like five plays. And they've got options built in, 
but they can execute them so well that it doesn't matter what the defense does. They've got an answer for it. And Kelly's sort of the perfect trigger man to kind of make a punt on that gunslinger thing we were talking about yesterday. He's the perfect trigger man for this offense. They've styled it with the terminology, and there are some things that Coach Freeze talks about I won't dive into now, but you know they, they gear it towards his mental process and ability and his ability to make decisions. And they run this offense extremely well. And it's going to be interesting to watch them this year. They lose Laquan Treadwell, but they have a tight end, Evan Ingram, who's incredibly fun to watch. He's a dangerous weapon in this offense. So, again, I would not. I know people are saying that Mississippi might have a down year in that SEC West. Wouldn't sleep on them just yet. Definitely something to watch for. And I'll tell you what, you know, having read this now and knowing what to look for, uh, I guarantee you both myself and anyone else who's been listening – We'll be watching for this this season. It'll be fun to watch seeing it actually out there. You'll be able to say, oh, look, it's a Talladega pack. It's a Talladega pace. We know well, what's going I, you know, on As now. we've kind of said about you know what we try to do here at Inside the Pylon, we want you to be the smartest person in the room, whether it's you know Saturday afternoon with your buddies watching a game or you're at the corner bar on a Sunday night watching Sunday night football. You know, say, hey, you know, they're, they're running the sale concept. I read that on Inside the Pylon and their glossary. So that's what we're trying to do, and hopefully we can help the people out a bit. Yeah, and any time that you can tell someone that you read something on Inside the Pylon – we obviously appreciate it. Oh, so, we love that. Anyways, we are done for the week, Mark. It is beer o'clock officially. Might be my favorite hour of the week, man. You got a uh, what, what's your favorite beer that you're running these days? These days, it's it's hard. I'm digging Goose Island IPA. Okay, I've yep. been digging that this summer. Yep, it, I've been, it's, it's nice and tasty. I, summer IPAs are nice. I've Shout been, out to my boy uh, Chase Cameron on Twitter. Um, talking the other night about some summertime IPAs because did you see this? I'm not to totally cut you off. No, go. Pumpkin spice Cheerios are like already on shelves, oh, man. Dude, I can't. I I, I hate the, pumpkin, pumpkin spice. Spi- it's I, awful. I hate pumpkin spice. It is the single worst thing that has happened to beverages ever. No, it's not just beverages. Everything. everything. Like what's it? I think oh, it was yeah, Trader Joe's well, had like pumpkin spice flavored pumpkins. You you try to get like even just like something dumb like a margarita or something during Halloween, and all of a sudden, oh, do you want pumpkin spice around the edge? No, no I don't I want don't. pumpkin spice around the edge margarita. of my margarita. Give me some salt. Yeah. Give me some anyway, salt. Not to cut you. Your what were you rolling this summer? Oh, I'm I'm hitting the uh, the Ballast Point IPAs pretty hard. The Sculpins. Nice. One of my favorites, man. I could do those pretty much all day, except when I'm on the golf course, because then it. So I was I was actually out on the golf course uh, two weeks ago, and the, yeah, the cor- you were sending me messages saying that fairways and greens <laughs> were kind of tough that day. <laughs> Let me tell you. So I go out, and and normally I'm I'm shooting you know anywhere from you know 97 to like 104 is kind of the range that I typically sit in. So I go out in 47, and I'm all fired up. I'm like, all right, this is the day that I get you know 92, 93. I got nice. a chance. Yeah. I come back in in like 52? Fi- no, it was like 58 or 59. Ooh. Like it was just they had IPAs on the course and you can't do IPAs when you're golfing cuz they just come no. at you quick. Yeah. They come at you quick. So, uh we we are done for the day now. I guess that pretty much wraps everything now that we've covered the beers to drink during your uh your golf outings. They see look, we're full stop shop here at ITP. It is I mean, look, we're going to be playing this weekend, so you might as well get out there. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield for the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. We're back at it Monday. Have a safe, happy, healthy weekend, and we will see you in a couple days. Mm